0: Welcome to episode 3 of the Board Game Workshop. I'm your host, Chris Anderson. Uh, Today we have an interview with Chip Beauvais, and we'll get to that right after the news. So, first things first, Granite Games Summit is coming up in April. I will be there. Chip will also be there. He will have several prototypes and chroma cubes and universal rule. If you want to find him, his contact info will be at the end of the interview. I will be there with some prototypes and always looking for a game. Uh, Granite Game Summit is April 7th through April 9th in Nashua, New Hampshire. So if you're in the Northeast, it looks to be a lot of fun. You can get more information for that at granitegamesummit.com. Submissions for the Boston Festival of Indie Games open today, March 15th, and everything is due April 15th. The Boston Festival of Indie Games is a tabletop and digital game showcase. They give out awards for Best of Show. It's a great place to show off new designs to a lot of people. And you can check out bostonfig.com to find out more about that. On to contests. The Game Crafter currently has two contests open. Their Big Box Challenge is due June 5th. And the game hole Dungeon Crawler Challenge is due August 14th. Um, Both of those look to be interesting contests. You can check those out at thegamecrafter.com slash contests. Um, Buttonshy Games is doing their wallet game contest. It's due April 23rd, and it's very restrictive design. You can only use 18 cards and 10 coins. So you can check that out at buttonshygames.com. And in other button-shy news, my game published with them, In Vino Morte, is going to be re-released in July on Kickstarter, so you can check that out on Board Game Geek. And that does it for the news. If you are a game designer and you would like to come on the show and talk about a game you're working on or just design theory in general, you can email me at theboardgameworkshop@gmail.com at and let me know what you'd like to talk about. All right, now on to the interview. Okay, we are here today with Chip Beauvais, designer of Chroma Cubes, Smoke and Mirrors, Universal Rule, and the Twitter game A Little Alliteration, which I was doing perfect at for a while. <laughs> uh, Chip, welcome to
1: the show. Hi, Chris. Uh, it's good. Glad to be here. This is great.
0: Cool. So let's start with how'd you get into board games and what got you to start designing?
1: Um, So, like a lot of people, um, I I really got into designer board games through magic. Um, My wife and I were trying to learn how to play um, a Star Wars CCG by Decipher. And we kind of came to the idea that uh, learning another collectible card game um, would help us along that path. Um, So, one day we... um, joined a group at college that was play, was teaching people how to play magic. And that kind of um, consumed the rest of our lives for uh, a good number of years. <clears throat> and, um, and that led into uh, other board games, other, uh, at the time, sort of German games, because most of them um, that we found out about were from Germany. And we joined a local gaming group and, um, you know, and things kind of evolved from there. Uh, and I think in 2010, uh, Protospiel had a card game design contest. And so that was sort of my first foray into, um, into designing a game for a competition. And my game was selected as one of the finalists. Uh, it didn't actually win, um, but... Moreover, the experience and the people that I met going to Proto Spiel um, <clears throat> really sort of drew me into the hobby. Uh, so that's that's, um, that's sort of the short version of how I got into game design. Cool,
0: cool. I have been playing Magic most of my life at this point, actually, but uh, it's a good start.
1: <laughs> yeah, Magic, Magic is a great thing. I, I highly recommend it for any designer. Um, oh, definitely. I, I haven't been playing as much for the last couple of years, but I've still been uh, keeping tabs on like new mechanics when they come out and new things that they're adding to the game. So it's it's very interesting.
0: Yeah, a lot of their um, design articles too are much wider reaching than just Magic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: Mark Rosewater has some amazing stuff.
1: Yeah, and you know he's he's probably one of the people that I quote the most because he has. He has so many good things to say. I mean, even simple things like uh, restrictions breed creativity. Yeah, um, you know that's that's a wonderful thing. And he has this series on <clears throat> on um, ten basic rules that every game must follow. Every game design must have these ten things. Um, and also, he started. Uh, I believe it was it was him. Uh, he started the concept of player uh, um, uh, profiles for different people for how they play magic. Um, and I actually sort of took a riff off of that and expanded it to um, to create six different player uh, psychographic profiles for uh, different people and why they play games. Um, and to me, I found that useful as a as a design tool. Yeah, cool.
0: So you wanted to talk about probabilities today. Do you want to yes. do an intro to
1: why we're talking about these probabilities? Sure. So uh, this is a this is a game design that I'm working on, and it's um, it's very sort of early stage. So a lot of things are are probably going to change. Um, but one of the things that I found interesting. In it is the um, creating a creating a system where uh, where a player is going to attempt to do something or their character is going to attempt to do something and we have to decide whether or not it's successful um, and use a die roll for that effect and mm-hmm. what i'm looking for is something that's very simple uses existing components and yet has the correct level of granularity. Uh, So for example, if you have a d20, then you could say, um, you know, you need to roll a 16 or less, um, or you could do this other thing where you need to roll a 17 or less, then the second action has a 5% greater probability of, um, of being successful. So basically, with a twenty-sided die, you have increments of about five percent. Um, but if you're using a regular six-sided die, then your um, you know then your increments of probability are a lot more chunky. So yeah. if you say roll a one or less or, or a two or less and so on. Then those probabilities are 16 percent, 33 percent, 50 percent, and then uh, 67 percent, and then 83, I think. It sounds close. Uh, And then obviously 100 percent. So, if you want to give the player more control, or if you want to have more nuance than that, um, you know, one out of six. Probability. Then one of the things that you can do, uh, and sticking with the restriction of of limiting your component to each player just having one die, um, is that you can then have uh, sequential die rolls, where the result isn't um, the result of the probability isn't determined by a single roll, um, but it may to be be dependent on two rolls. So, for example, you could say if you wanted something that was less likely than um, just rolling uh, rolling one out of six, you could say roll a one out of six and then also roll a three or less, and that gives you 50% of that 16% the original 16%, which gives you about 8%. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: so now you get closer to having small um, uh, increments of probability that you, can, that you can play around with so that you can more accurately uh, represent the difficulty of a particular thing the character is trying to do. Um, so one of the things I found in this that, that's interesting is that there are certain um, there are certain combinations of things that even if you um, or unless you actually sit down and do the math, you wouldn't realize that they are um, they have the same probability uh, so just to choose an example from my spreadsheet um, the chance of rolling a one or two on a single die roll, or the chance of rolling three or less, followed by another roll that's four or less. So if you had to choose between those two things, um, they don't, on the outset, sound like uh, they would have the same probability, but it turns out that they do. So this gets into... Something that I think is interesting is that the the actual mathematical probabilities are one aspect of a design. But what's more important is how players, assuming that they're not mathematicians that sit down and actually figure Mm -hmm. these things out, um, how players react to certain probabilities and how they feel about different probabilities. So it's almost less important which of the two options is more or less probable, um, but it's, it's more interesting to think about um, how that affects a player emotionally and, and how they're going to feel about it.
0: That's interesting because then you can keep the actual probabilities the same, but if you design it in a certain way you can make it more or less stressful to the player, make it more exciting.
1: Exactly. So something like um, the the example that I just uh, you know that I just threw out there, rolling a two or one that's a single die roll. So you roll it and then you know that's it. You know what the answer, you know what the outcome is immediately. Mm-hmm. The roll three and roll four has a few different stages in it because you could either fail the first roll and that feels a certain way, or you could fail. You could pass the first roll and then fail the second one. And that becomes, you know, that becomes more exciting. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that the order in which the rolls happen does not affect um, the mathematical probability. So I described it as roll a three or less, and then follow that up by rolling a four or less, which is actually more probable than, than the first roll. So um, if I were to actually have that as part of the game, I would reverse the two of them. In other words, I want the um, the easier roll to happen first um, because then the tension increases as you make each subsequent die roll, as opposed to having all the tension in the first die roll and then have the second one be something that feels like a sure thing.
0: It's interesting. So for all your stuff here, are you only looking at two die rolls, not three?
1: Yeah. Now, see, this is that—that's a good question because I think the what I'm looking for is the simplest thing that will work. Um, yeah. So I don't necessarily want to. I could certainly extend this to add a third die roll, and that would give us additional granularity. Um, but the question is, how much, um, how important is it to um, to sort of get that extra precision? Um, so within within using two die rolls, uh, two subsequent die rolls, and um, uh, the other thing is that these are combinations of die rolls, so it's not just do this roll and then do that one successfully. It's also do this one, and if you fail, you get a second chance for success with the second die roll. Um, so altogether, there's um, you know there's like thirty, thirty-five different combinations, um, and there's some overlap in um, in the individual probabilities that. Uh, that arise from that. But even within here, if um, there's one sort of gap between about fifty nine percent and sixty six percent. So that's a seven percent difference of uh, in probabilities that you know, if I wanted to if I wanted to create an event that had a probability between those two, um, I wouldn't be able to do it with just two die rolls, um, or without adding uh, some other twist to uh, to how the to how the action is resolved. Um, but then the question is, and I think this is an interesting question: is what's the smallest increment in probability that a player can be aware of, and will have sort of um, an emotional reaction to. So, for example, if you'd say this is five percent likely or this is six percent likely, um, depending as long as the you know as long as the outcome wasn't too severely different between the two, um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily really care. So yeah, you know if you said, well, would you rather have a five percent chance? of getting a hundred dollars or would you rather have a 6% chance of getting $99 and 62 cents, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of like, well, I don't, you know, I, that's, that's too small an increment for me to really um, have a strong gut feeling for. Yeah. So, whereas if you said like there's a 25% difference in, um, in the probability of a particular outcome, you know now you've got my attention. that's something that um that I feel is is uh significant,
0: yeah, I wonder if they've done psychological studies on this i'm I'm sure they have because they've studied pretty much everything
1: yeah there there's not anything that um that I'm aware of, but of course that that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist um, because humans are humans are generally bad at probability as opposed to other um forms of mathematics so yeah. for example you know you might not understand you might not be very familiar with all the rules of physics and calculus and like what parabolas look like but if i throw a ball to you you have a pretty good chance of, of, of catching it. You have an intuition of, um, you know, of what shape the arc is going to take. Um, but probability um, doesn't... People don't have a good intuition for probability. And I think part of that is that you only ever really experience the outcome, you know? So if something is 80% likely, but it doesn't happen... Um, you know that that doesn't that doesn't feel right to us somehow. Yeah, I mean another good example is the um, um, is the the Monte Carlo um, or or not that the Monty Hall problem, and and that's something that um, you know you can you can twist people into um, you can sort of easily push people down the wrong path of thinking by saying, well, you know, one of the doors has been opened, there are two doors left, so therefore it's a one in two chance. You know, anytime you say, okay, there are three outcomes and one of them is the one that we want, then there must be a one-third chance of that happening is overlooking the, um, you know, is, is overlooking the requirement that all three things had to be equally likely to begin with
0: yeah that's always an interesting one
1: people just don't get it yeah yeah which is where
0: game design can come in and do all sorts of fun things
1: yeah yeah and and it's interesting um so another game that i worked on um is called smoke and mirrors and this is a this is a bluffing game where you have three cards and they have numbers on them And you're trying to, you're called upon to create a particular number by adding one or more of your cards together, and there are different probabilities based on all the possible distributions of cards um, that will tell you things like if you're called upon to create the sum of three, it's it's relatively unlikely that you'll be able to do that. However, the important thing is that this is a bluffing game. So regardless of what the probabilities are, um, players start and and player groups start to sort of create their own rules as they become familiar with the game um, or create their own heuristics, I should say, that say whether uh, a particular player is likely to have um, the number that they the, the combination of cards that they claim to. And something really interesting happens in a bluffing game where if you can, if you can make a claim that on the face of it seems impossible, but the player who has to call your bluff, if they stop for a minute and figure out a way in which, even if it's unlikely, If they figure out a way in which it is possible, then they're more likely to believe you because they've taken the time to sort of convince themselves that it could happen. um, And that makes it, in their mind, more likely. So it it kind of creates this this counterintuitive result where if you're going to bluff, don't bluff with something that's likely. Bluff with something that makes the player initially think it's impossible and then convince themselves that it's possible and then they'll be too scared to You know to call your bluff <laughs> Good advice. Good advice.
0: I do enjoy smoke and mirrors. It's a lot of fun for such a simple game. Oh, thank you But uh, we are running out of time. So Is there anything you would like to plug? I know uh,
1: it's chroma cubes
0: coming out soon. What's the
1: uh, yes? so um, so chroma cubes this is actually another Chromacubes is, is interesting, the concept of this discussion, because um, each die has a different distribution of symbols on it, where the symbols are either common, so they appear on half the faces, or uncommon, where they only appear on one face. Um, so in Chromacubes, I'm dealing with probabilities of either one-half or one-sixth um, per die. But you have six different dice, they all have different distributions of, um, of symbols and I use the, uh, going back to players intuitions, I use the color wheel as a way of um, giving players an intuitive, um, you know, an intuitive grasp of what the, uh, what the different, the probabilities of rolling different colors with different dice. So, all of that is to say, uh, yes, Chroma Cubes is going to be coming to Kickstarter this year. Uh, it's been picked up by Grail Games, um, based out in Australia.
0: Yeah, they uh, just backed their last one for Majiki, um, the card game.
1: Yes, I was going to say, they've been doing a lot of uh, interesting things with um, both reprints and new games um, from Reiner Canizia. Uh, sure. They also did um, Catbox. Uh, last year they did uh, too many Cinderellas before then, and uh, a host of other games. So I'm very excited to be working with them.
0: Cool. Do you know, do you have a month for that yet, or?
1: Um, I do not. I'm thinking maybe summer, um, but it's still a little early uh,
0: at this point. Cool. Well, let me know when you find out, and I'll definitely uh, put
1: it in the news. I certainly will. And, um, the easiest way for people to reach me is, uh, by Twitter. I'm at the underscore flying sheep. That's the at symbol T H E the underscore symbol F L Y I N G S H E E P. Well, thank you
0: very much for coming on and we will hopefully have you back again. Great.
1: Well, I'm, I'm always happy to talk about game design and, uh, I look forward to coming back and, uh, Going on about some other topic. So thank you for the opportunity.
0: That does it for this episode. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email the workshop at gmail.com. You can check out the website, theboardgameworkshop.com. You can find it on Twitter, the BG Workshop. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at BlueCubeBGS.
1: And I will talk to you soon.